grab a Bible. Once you find that Bible or you get your Bible out, open up to the book of Acts. We're going to be continuing our study in God's Word as we always do on Sunday mornings. Okay, so this is the way it works. There's three things that always happen in the life of every healthy, living church. These three things. Number one, divine moments. Number two, health. Number three, momentum. Divine moments, health, momentum. When you walk into a church where these three things are happening, you can actually feel it. You can feel it. And when you walk into a church where these three things are not happening, you can feel that too. Several years ago, we were looking for a young pastor to join our staff, and we flew a guy out here from, I think it was New Hampshire. And uh, he came out here, and you know, back in those days, the way that we would actually interview people was we would have them come, and they had to stay at my house for three days. Because we figured, you know, that by, you can only fake it for so long, right? So that by the third day, they'd crack or something like that would happen. And uh, this young guy came, and it was a great weekend. On Friday night, we had a special event at our church up at Green Tree, and it was a super fun event. It was very unusual. It was super fun. A lot of people were serving, and so he got to come to that. Then on Saturday, he met with a couple of our community groups, and that was awesome. And on Sunday, he came to our Sunday morning worship service. Before he left, this is what he said to me. He said, in three days, I experienced more Christ-centered joy, humble, heartfelt service, and genuine worship than I have in an entire year at my own church. And he said, I just want to thank you for that. And, you know, whether I get the position or not, he said, I'm just glad that I was able to be here and experience that. And he said, I would love to be a part of a church like this. Isn't that awesome? Now, unfortunately, he didn't get the job, but <laughs> I was impressed. I was impressed with the work that God is doing in our church. I could see it. I could feel it. God is at work in this church. I was impressed with the members of the congregation who were serving and who were filled with joy and faith and worshiping Jesus. And I was impressed by the fact that he could see it and he could feel it in our church. I believe that when you go to a church that's a living, healthy church, you can actually feel it. I think it's something that's visible and something that's real. Now, you can tell this when it's true in the life of a person, in a human being. You can see the signs of health. I have a photo we're going to put up here. It's a photo of Pastor Kayumba. And uh, this I showed it a few months ago at our church after I got back from Rwanda. There's a lot of smiling going on in this photo, right? There's Pastor Kayumba, there's Harriet, his wife, and I'm the white guy. Um, and we're there and everyone's smiling. And the reason why there's so much smiling going on is because Pastor Kayumba is healthy. And you may know that he was sick for many, many months and they actually thought he would die. He was at the point of death. And this photo was taken when Harriet was saying, thank you so much for praying for my husband. Thank you for helping. And he came through the other side, and 
he's healthy. And one of the first things when I went to his house and, and I saw him was I was looking for signs of health. Like, what's he going to look like? I know he's really, really sick. What's he going to look like? And I recognized immediately when I look at him, this guy's a healthy guy. I could see it in the clarity of his eyes. I could see it in the, the bright and shining face. I could see it in his stature as he stood up to full length. And I could feel it in the strength of his grip and of the hug. And all of that, all of those were signs to me that this man is alive and this man is healthy. And I was very, very thankful. So thanks, you can take the photo down. A couple of days later, we met with some pastors from Rwanda and we were sharing with them. And all of those had seen him very sick. They'd seen Kayumba very sick. And I told them, I said, isn't it great to see Kayumba healthy? Don't you love it? And I explained just what I explained to you. Don't you love the clarity in the eyes and the shining face? And don't you love that he's strong and tall and can give you a big hug? Like, isn't that an awesome thing? You can tell the signs of a healthy person. And then I asked these pastors, I said, but do you know the signs of a healthy church? How would you spot it? How would you recognize the presence of life and health or the lack thereof in a congregation. I've been on a quest for years, for decades now, to figure this out. I've been trying to figure it out for a long time. The reason I'm figuring, trying to figure it out is because I've seen it both ways. I've been in churches where you walk in, you go, this is alive. This is healthy. This is amazing. And I've been in churches that are sick or dying. Many of you have too. And you know, you can feel the difference. As a young pastor, I started to observe the churches around me. And I would see some churches and they were just like amazing and they were just like on a run and just huge things were happening. And then after a few years, they would like blow up or, or the bottom would fall out or, or something would happen. And I'd go, what? What happened there? And I, I couldn't figure it out. I, it just, it didn't make sense to me. I saw other churches that were doing well, and they just kept doing well and kept doing well and kept doing I'm like, what? what's the dynamic? I'm on a quest to figure out what makes a church healthy and living. And I believe it's important because I believe in the church. I made a decision many years ago to really give my life to the church as a follower of Christ. I believe in the church. And I shared last Sunday morning... I believe this with all of my heart. I believe that the church is designed by God to be his living presence to bring hope and healing in a hurting world. That was the message from last Sunday. So if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to the audio and you'll get that whole message. I believe that with all of my heart. And I believe, I'm convinced that this is how it works. There are three things that happen in the life of every living, healthy church. And those three things are, I put it on a slide. I never do slides, and I did a slide. I want you to sear it into your mind. Divine moments, health, momentum. And you might say to me, well, pastor, it's just a couple words on a slide. What is that? It's cost decades of my life to come up with these words. <laughs> It's taken many nights of prayer and searching and thinking and talking and learning by my own experiences of failure and success and other people's failures and successes and searching the scripture to, to come to this understanding 
of divine moments and health and momentum. We're going to talk about that today. For each one of these, I have a picture for you from the book of Acts. So if you have your Bible, grab it. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 1. The first thing that happens in the life of every living, healthy church is what I call divine moments. It's a starting place. Always a starting place. It has to be. So in the book of Acts, chapter 1. Now, the book of Acts is important. The book of Acts tells us the birth of the church. It is the inception of the mission of the gospel to the world. And it's, it's fantastic. The whole book of Acts, it's, just, it's where the action is. It's in the book of Acts. It's great. Let's read the beginning of it, chapter 1, in verse 1. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's how the book of Acts begins. This is the birth of the church, of the movement of the gospel into the world. And the first thing that we need to know is that we are not on our own to do the work of God. We are not on our own to build the church. Jesus goes first. God goes before us. Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is present. The number one conviction of every living church is that Jesus is not finished yet. He's still at work. Therefore, a living, healthy church lives in a sense of faith and expectancy. Faith and expectancy, always expecting Jesus to show up and do something. And you know what it is when Jesus shows up and he works? It's called a divine moment. Acts 1, page 1, paragraph 1, post-Easter, Jesus is risen. And what does he do? He just keeps showing up over the period of 40 days. Divine moment. They're in a room. Doors are locked. They're afraid for their lives. Jesus enters the room with the doors shut and locked, and he just shows up and he says, hi. That's a divine moment. And they're like, they're blown away. And I love the way the Bible says it. They were terrified and they were happy. Isn't that a blessed combination? <laughs> freaked out and filled with joy. I mean, that's how I want to live my whole life. Freaked out and filled with joy simultaneously. That's awe. That's what you call awe. It's amazing. It's a divine moment. And then later, they're by the Sea of Galilee, and they're fishing, and they look over, and there's Jesus. He's on the shore with a fire going, and he's cooked a fish dinner. He says, hey, guys, come over. I got a fish dinner for you. What do you call that? A divine moment. And for 40 days this happened. I would have thought that once would be enough. 
It's like, Lord, you got to stop doing this. You're going to give me a heart attack, all right? Keep showing up like this. What's the message? He wants them to learn to live with a sense of expectancy. He wants them to know that they're not alone, that they're not on their own. And the entire book of Acts is filled with divine moments. From beginning to end, divine moments. Chapter 1, we read about it. Chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes upon the church. They're empowered to speak in languages they don't even know. And Peter gets up and he preaches the gospel. And 3,000 people come to Christ after one sermon. I call that a divine moment. 3,000 people come to Jesus. In chapter 3, they go into the temple grounds and they see a man who's lame. He's begging for money. Peter says, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Stand up and walk. And the guy gets up and he's walking and leaping and praising God, the Bible says. It's a divine moment. I think you get the hang of this. I could just go chapter by chapter by chapter through the book of Acts and I could show you one after the next after the next. This is what happens in every living, healthy church. Divine moments. I can tell you stories of divine moments in our church for years and years of divine moments. I've told you the story of when we first came to Portland. It was because, you know, part of it was just driving over the bridge from Washington into the state of Oregon and hearing the Lord say to me, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love, and it can happen right here, which I took as a divine moment. (laughs) And God giving divine direction. Divine moments take many forms. It can be God's voice speaking. It can be a miracle of healing. It can be all kinds of things. It can be a miracle of provision. We've seen God in divine moments, so many ways. One of the divine moments in our church is the fact that God has brought to us the people that he has ordained to work with us. And I don't mean the staff or the pastors. I mean you. I always say this at our Introducing River West, you know. I say, you know, you're probably here because you're wondering what we can do for you as a church. And I always say, and that's awesome, but... Actually, the reason I think you're here is because I'm wondering what you can do for me. (laughs) Or better yet, how can we work together? Because I believe you're the answer to my prayer. I used to walk the streets of Beaverton at night and say, God, I can't do this alone. Bring to me the people that you've appointed. And I would see people coming with good hearts and with gifts and people coming to Jesus. And I viewed everyone as a divine moment of what God was doing. I remember a weekend when we went with a group of men to, for prayer and fasting to the coast. And it was during that weekend when the Lord spoke to Jerry Friesen and he said, go to El Salvador. And that moment was a divine moment that actually launched our international missions because he went to El Salvador to drill a well. And then we were 10 years in El Salvador and he's still there with some people from our church. Divine moment. And that launched us into international missions. There was another divine moment that led to Rwanda, another one that led to Myanmar, and there's another one coming tomorrow because that's the way it works in a living, healthy church. It always happens that way. And so I actually have slides today. Isn't this weird? Because I never do slides. I'm going to show you a slide. And you know what? I'm so sorry. The font is too small. But I can interpret for you. 
That's his divine moments. And what that does is that summarizes pretty much everything that I've just said to you. God goes before us. The church is a miracle. Divine moments come in many forms. Living with expectancy is the heartbeat of the church. And then I printed in red because it's extra specially important. That's what red means. This is important. Divine moments are not the same thing as health. I want you to see that. It's not the same. You can have divine moment after divine moment, miracle after miracle. It's not the same as health. Don't ever make the mistake of equating divine moments with health. Some of you know, you know what I'm talking about. You might have spent time in a church where everything is the quest for miracles. It's miracle, 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 which is awesome, and we should be praying for miracles and looking for them. But all the miracles in the world, in the absence of health, will not cause a living, healthy church that has long-term impact in the world. So let's get that. There's three things that always happen in the life of a living, healthy church. Divine moments is one, but the next actually is health itself. So now let's go to another picture of the book of Acts of the church, and that's in chapter 2 and in verse 42. The second thing that always happens in the life of every living, healthy church is health. Makes sense, right? Or I could expand that and say the traits of health. Traits of health, like Kayumba. I look at him, I said, oh, I see this, this. I deduce he's healthy because I see the traits of health. What are the traits of a healthy church? They must be present. Let's read in Acts chapter 2 and in verse 42. Now, this is after that first sermon when 3,000 people come to faith in Christ. And it says in 242, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to breaking of bread and prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need and day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, this paragraph is super important, and I want you to know this is the first description in the book of Acts of the traits of church health. Can you see that as you read it? You know, I read this paragraph and I go, I want to be in that room. I want to be there. That sounds really awesome, literally. God put me in that room. And when I read it and I say I want to be in the room, it's because of what's going on in the room. It's the traits of the church and the life of the church that are expressed there. But I want you to notice something very carefully. And we're, we'll talk about, well, what are the traits? That's kind of where we're headed. But before we get to the, specifically the traits, I want you to notice something. And I want you to notice that what was happening is an ongoing process. Take a look at 242. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. 
and fellowship. Breaking of bread, prayer. They literally, in the Greek, they were continually devoting themselves to this. There is no stronger way to say it in the Greek language than the way that it's written in the original, that it is a present, active, ongoing activity. That tells me something about health. Health is a process. You know, the thing about a divine moment is that it's a moment. It's a moment. It's boom. Jesus walks through the wall, shows up, says, hi, guys. Boom. Divine moment. The lame man is healed, stands on his feet. Boom. Divine moment. The apostle Paul is converted. He's out persecuting Christians. Jesus shows up and says, you got to stop doing that and follow me. Boom. His life has changed. Divine moment. And I could go one after another after another, and every one of them, God speaks to someone. God speaks to you, and it's a divine moment. And it's an instant, and it happens. And that's awesome. It's a moment. But health is a process. It's a process. And now we get the feeling that the apostles are like, okay, we need to do something with this group of people. You know, they didn't just say, that's so cool. 3,000 people got saved. Baptize them. See you later. Let's go down the road. Get another 3,000. Baptize them. See you later. Go over here. Do the same thing. They didn't do that because that would have been moment, 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 and no follow through. But instead, they said, we need to stay at something now. We need to nurture these people. We need to shepherd these people. We need to shape these people and that they might be formed into a healthy community. And that's exactly what they did. Now, the reason why I'm pretty sure they stayed at it for a while is because we see this pattern repeated later in Acts. I'm going to read to you from the book of Acts in chapter 11, where now the gospel has made its way to Antioch. And there's a church there, and they send Barnabas there because they're like, wow, it's a divine moment. People got saved in Antioch. Go up there and help him. So he goes up there to help him. And when he gets there and he sees the grace of God, he sees the divine moment, he does something. Acts 11 and in verse 25, it says, So Barnabas, he went to Tarsus to look for Saul, who now has become a Christian. and He's a great teacher. And it says, When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. For a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people. And in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Isn't that cool? Did you know that in Antioch, it was the very first place that they were called Christians? There's something about this group of people, and they said, oh, they're different. They kind of stick out, and, and they're different. And what, what should we call them? <laughs> well, it's because of Jesus Christ. Let's call them Christians. They didn't come up with that title themselves. It's the people around them who called them Christians. Something's going on in this community. They're being transformed. It's a community being transformed. It's a community becoming healthy, a church that's becoming healthy. They have the traits of a living, healthy church. How did they get that way? Well, it says that for a year, they taught them. Like in Acts 2, they were teaching them the apostles' doctrine, the apostles' teaching. You can bet they're teaching them about Jesus and about the gospel. That's the headline. That's where it all starts. Teaching, teaching, teaching for a year. And I got a feeling it wasn't 
once a week on Sunday for an hour and a half. I get a feeling that they were really diving into it. You know, in Acts, we read about times when Paul would teach. He'd teach so long that people would fall asleep and fall out the window. Because you were just like, wow. It's amazing. Like, go to Africa, and it's like three and a half hour church service. And they're just getting warmed up. Wow, this is amazing. What does it take? It's a process. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes commitment. It takes consistency. And the church becomes a healthy, living church. I love Pastor Nopum in Myanmar, our partner in ministry. He's a great example of a shepherd who's building a healthy Christian church in a difficult place. Think about it, Myanmar. You hear about what's going on in Myanmar these days? It's a hardcore place. It's like 2% Christian. The 90-whatever percent Theravada Buddhism, which is really hardcore version of Buddhism. So right now, you hear about the, the Rohingya people, who are, is a Muslim group of people who have lived for hundreds of years in Myanmar and they're being persecuted into genocide and 500,000 of them have had to flee from their homes to walk across into Bangladesh. Okay, that's, that's a tough place. That's where Nopum is doing his work. For two months, he's been doing a training for what he calls his lay leaders. Okay, so these are lay leaders. They, many of them have just graduated from college or their college age and they have jobs or they work out in the fields or they're trying to work in the city and they're lay leaders. And so for two months during the rainy season, they come to him and he's putting on training. And actually, you don't know this, but you're paying for it. So our church has, has given some money so that he could rent a facility to do this and that there's enough food for them to eat. And for two months, he has these lay leaders coming for training. And think about this. For five hours a day, five days a week, they're learning. Old Testament survey, New Testament survey, Bible study methods, and the Gospel of Mark. Five hours a day, five days a week, he's training and they're continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. And they're praying for each other. And they're praying for their country. And do you know why? Because Pastor Nopim is a wise pastor. And he knows it takes more than divine moments. It takes the shaping of a healthy community as well. Pastor Christopher and myself and my wife Maureen, next week will be there. And we're going to join Nopum for the last week of the two-month training. And we're going to go and we're going to meet his leaders and we're going to go to his boarding homes and we're going to be there and try to encourage him and our partnership with him. Why? Because we believe in him. We believe in the church. And we see a leader who knows that it takes divine moments. It was a divine moment when we connected with him and I know he feels that way. But he knows it takes more than that. It, it takes the traits of health. And that's what we're going to be talking about at our church for the next couple of months. What are those traits of health? You know, all the traits of health, if you go back to chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, all of the traits of health are hidden in this paragraph. 
I'm not going to tell you what they are right now. We're going to look at them later. But right, I just want you to know they're there. They're in here. Okay? What I want you to see is how cool it is of the experience that people had. So I want to show you a verse. This is so great. It's in chapter 2 and 46. It says, Day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I want you to focus on glad and generous hearts. The word glad means overflowing joy. This is a joyous community. I mean, these guys are happy. They're like, this is so awesome. Glad, joyful, and generous, which could also be translated sincere. Just genuine. Genuine, generous, real. A joyful, genuine group of people. I mean, who wouldn't want to be in that room? You know, isn't that where you want to be? Sometimes, you know, I used to say, when I was trying to figure out the traits thing. Now, one of the traits, it used to be on my list, it was the trait of joy. I had to take it off the list. You know why? Because I have seven traits. And I used to have 12. And I went to our elders and I said, I have 12 traits. And they're like, that's too many. We don't want to memorize 12. (laughs) Nobody can memorize 12. That's too many to deal with. I'm like, okay, I cut it down to 10. I'm like, this is like the Ten Commandments. They fell from heaven. No, it's too many. You got to narrow it down. So it kept narrowing it. But I cut joy from the list, but it's hidden somewhere else. It's in there, but it's hidden somewhere else. And I knew, I knew from the beginning, because when I walk into a church and there's joy, it's like that young pastor. He goes, Christ-centered joy. I felt it. When I walk into a group of Christians and there's joy, I go, this is amazing. But man, I've been in some rooms that were less than joyful. You know, the Sour Christian Club. You ever been in that club? That's a bummer. You don't want to be in that one. (laughs) That's a bad deal. But look at this verse. How great is that? They receive their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. This is a snapshot, the first snapshot in the book of Acts of the traits of a healthy church. And this is the way that it works. Health is the second thing that always happens. And so I have a slide, and here's my slide, and the print is too small, but it says health takes effort, health is a process, and it says there are seven traits of church health. And what are those seven traits? We're going to come back to that later. Let's move on. Let's go to the third thing that always happens in the life of a living, healthy church, and that is momentum. Divine moments, health, and momentum. I can show you momentum. Acts chapter 2 in verse 47. Praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. That's called momentum. There's impact. There's transformation, there's people coming to faith in Christ. It's called momentum. I can show you momentum again if you go to the book of Acts and chapter 6. I'll just read four verses. You're going to see momentum here in the early church. Acts 6.1. Now, in these days when the disciples were increasing in number, I call that momentum, wouldn't you? They're increasing. People are joining them. I mean, this is an outlawed group of people. 
And they can't stop the people from coming. It's called momentum. That's what happens. Always happens in the living church. And it says, in those days, the disciples were increasing in number. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now, who in the world are the Hellenists? The Hellenists are Jews who are now Jewish Christians who have been Hellenized. In other words, they maybe are from other parts of the Roman Empire where the Greek influence is really heavy. They've sort of acculturated themselves to the Greek way of thinking, but they're still Jewish and now they've become Christians. So there was friction in the early church and even in Judaism between the Jews who had sort of accommodated the Greek way of thinking and the Jews who didn't, who were very strict. The two different groups of people. Now it says these two people were at odds. A complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. It's called momentum. And you know what happens when there's momentum? It leads to friction. It can lead to friction. It can lead to problems. Because you know what? We actually have more momentum than we know what to do with. Now we have a problem. Momentum always happens in the life of a living, healthy church. And when there is momentum, it is the job of the church to capture that momentum and to channel it, to structure it in a healthy way. And if you don't, you have problems. How can you tell if you have problems? People are mad at each other. It's pretty simple. This isn't rocket science. People are ticked off. (laughs) We got problems. But isn't it weird? Because sometimes... People are mad at each other because of the good things that are happening. Because there's momentum. But there isn't enough health in the system to sustain the momentum. And so something has to happen. The church has to adapt. It has to grow. It has to create structures. This is the way the church goes. These things happen in every healthy, living church. And so I have a slide for you. Here's what I just said. Momentum flows from health and leads to greater impact. Momentum cannot be sustained without health. It can't. Momentum can create its own problems. Momentum must be captured and directed or it becomes activity without impact. And then I put one in red. That means it's especially important. And it says momentum is not the same thing as health. We have to see this. Momentum is not the same thing as health. Because some of you have been to a church where there was great momentum. In fact, maybe the name of the church was the first church of amazing momentum. And you're like, this is amazing. And just like, wow. And there's, there's more people and there's more money and there's more building projects and there's more ministries. And it's like momentum, momentum, momentum. And then boom. The whole thing just blows up. You go, what happened? Well, what happened was it was momentum without the health to really sustain it. Momentum is not the same thing as health. Now, you know, so when we were in Africa, 
and we were speaking to the pastors in Rwanda, I gave them this paradigm. Anybody, anywhere in the world can understand this. Divine moments, health, momentum, and we described this thing, and the pastors were looking at me going, you've got us totally figured out. Because we live in two worlds, divine moments and momentum. That's the church in Africa. Total miracle, 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 miracle. Momentum, 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 momentum. And very little health. And they said, man, we need to learn. <laughs> we need to learn how to live in what I call the health column and to nurture the traits of health in a church. Like, what are those traits? How can we do that? Now, I want you to know something about our church. This thing that I'm telling you, this is nuts and bolts sermon. You need to know that this paradigm is a paradigm that our leadership has been living out of for years and years and years. We just don't say it on Sunday morning, but this is what we do. If you want to know behind the curtain, how do we think at River West Church, this is it. This is how we think. And I want to tell you what I tell our leaders. I tell our leaders that we have to pray for divine moments and watch for them all the time. The job of a leader with regard to divine moments is to recognize and respond. You can't make a divine moment happen. You can't snap your fingers and go, divine moment. You can fake a divine moment, but you can't make one happen, right? And so we pray for it, and then we want to recognize it and respond to it. Now what we're trying to do through this series is we're like expanding leadership to the church. We're expanding it to all of our community group leaders, all of our ministry leaders, everyone on staff. We want everyone in our church to understand this. Pray for these divine moments. Recognize and respond to them, but you can't make them happen. And then when it comes to momentum, the job of leadership is to capture the momentum and sort of direct it and channel it. You know, I mean, if you have a ministry and it's growing, all this applies to any Christian ministry. You have a ministry and it's growing, what are you going to do? If your momentum out, outgrows your health, it's going to collapse. You have to capture that and you have to sort of guide it. It could be in a community group. What if your community group is growing, growing, growing? What are you going to do? You've got to capture that and figure out a way to direct that. But here's what I've told our leaders for years and years and years. I've told them the number one job of leadership is the traits of health. That's the number one job at our church. That's where we invest our prayer, our thinking, our effort, our relationships. It's in the realm of health. The job of leadership is to shepherd the people and shape the community into the place of health. That's, that's what we do at Riverwise Church. Now you know. That's the way it works. So for the next couple of months, we're going to unpack what are the traits of health that make a healthy, living church. We really want you to know this. We'll be talking about it in our leadership, in our, with our ministry leaders, in our community groups on Sunday morning. We're going to talk about this because we need to understand it. And so now I have the final slide. Here it is. And the font's bigger because this is important. <laughs> health takes effort. Health is a process. There are seven traits of a living church. And what are those traits? These are the seven. Jesus, gospel, gratitude, prayer, unity, maturity, and mission. Those are the seven traits. Now I know it can be expressed differently. Joy is not on the list. 
It actually is. It's just hidden in one of the others. Pastor, where's baptism on that list? It's there. It's there. It's, it's connected to one of them. Everything that happens in the life of a living, healthy church is represented on that list. And we're going to work to understand these traits, and not just intellectually, but as practices. What do we do? What could we practice as a church to where we get stronger and stronger in these traits? That's our job. And it matters. It matters. It's so important in the life of our church. So here's what I'm asking you to do. I'm asking you to build with us. Build with us. Who builds the church? Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Who builds the church? Jesus builds the church. But who else builds the church? The Bible says in Ephesians that each one of us builds into the body. Each one of us partners with Jesus to build a healthy church. The strength and the health of the church is completely dependent on how many members of the congregation make it their goal, their commitment, they take the time and the energy and the consistency to say, we're going to build those traits into our own lives, into our community group, into our ministry, into our church. And when that happens, then amazing stuff happens and the church stays alive. It doesn't just blow up or die. It stays alive. And that's what we want, River West Church. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together right now. Lord, we love you and we love being a part of your church, Lord. I, I say that in, in truth and in faith, Lord. We know, Lord, that many people despise the church. They look down on it. They're tired of it. Um, they see it as a religious shopping center. But we see it differently, Lord. We want to see it as you see it. We want to love it as you love it. We want to understand the dynamics of it, Lord. We want to be the living community of Christ and make a difference in a hurting world. And so we pray, Lord, that you'll bless over the next few months as we learn and grow and practice together in these things. We pray right now for Nopum and for his leaders and for his churches over there, Lord. And we pray that you'll bless them and give them divine moments and momentum. But Lord, most of all, I pray for health and strength for them to be strong in a difficult place. And Lord, may we also follow in suit. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for what you've done, for what you're doing and what you will do. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.